I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Randall Bell, Ph.D., author of Post-Traumatic Thriving, The Art, Science, and Stories of Resilience. Trauma has a way of showing up when we least expect it, and society sends many signals telling us that it's admirable to put on a brave face and soldier on. But our grief is normal, even healthy, says world-renowned expert on disasters and trauma, Dr. Randall Bell. He undertook unprecedented research and juxtaposes outcomes of scientific studies with stories of real people, many of them, many of whom are familiar, who have used their trauma as their fuel to thrive to reveal common denominators. Often called the master of disaster, Dr. Bell is squarely focused on authentic recovery and resilience. His research has been profiled on many major television shows and is featured in numerous magazines and the international media. Welcome to the show, Dr. Randall Bell. Catherine, thank you, Catherine. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. Uh, well, I read your book, and boy, it's uh, it's chock full of all kinds of things in terms of how to thrive and not simply just survive in the face of trauma, right? I think that many people do survive, but they don't really thrive. And um, that's what I really liked about your book. And also you incorporate, like I said, the research, but then you also have individual it, individuals juxtaposed with the research, giving like real life stories that we can really identify with, including your own story, which is uh, one we can talk about as well. So where do we start? Thriving. How do we thrive and not simply survive when we are faced with trauma and uh, trauma disaster? What do we do? How do we do it? There, you start because there are different kinds of trauma we have to start, we have to, uh, I think, first define. Yeah, great question. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head a moment ago where you said that the, you don't want to stuff it. That That is the message of society, and it's a hundred, absolutely 180 degrees opposite of what will actually work. Um, when we stuff emotions down and we don't talk about things, uh, we we may look okay on the exterior, but inside of us on the interior, uh, we create a war, an internal war with ourselves. And it has very real effects where we get, you know, have, the effects are high blood pressure and anxiety and depression and all kinds of things. So if there's, if there's one big rule, it's to deal with it, to face it, to talk about it and, and to work on it. That's how we really uh, start the, the healing process and, and turn that war off inside of ourselves. So what we're doing is culturally, we have to first sort of cut, we have to, we're fighting the whole culture, but as you say, because we are, we are a stuffing culture, stuff our grief. Even when we bury people and they die, we, we cover up, you know, we have fake grass. We make it look like everything is, uh, we don't really deal, I think, with the process of grief and the way we, uh, you know, uh, care, uh, funerals, those kinds of things. But anyway, yeah, stuffing it away, be a man, you know, let's, uh, Get by it. Get over it. So given that, where do we start? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I made those mistakes as a dad myself. You know, my kids were in sports and they got knocked down or something. I'd say, you know, toughen up buttercup or, you know, uh, you know, man up. All, all the things that parent. Yeah, man up. All those things that parents say that are that are uh, bad. 
<laughs> I, I use myself as a bad example. And then I got into this research, and it, it completely changed my mind. I mean, with my own trauma, which I talk about openly in the book, was that I, I had, was born with a congenital heart defect, and I had uh, open heart surgery when I was 11 years old. And so, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about it. it. I never brought it up. Um, if someone, you know, at the beach saw the scar on my back, I'd, you know, get over the topic as fast as I could. Um, and uh, that created an internal battle in myself. Um, but but, but that's you also the number said one in the book that your parents never told you about that you were going to have open heart surgery until not literally the day before, but almost the day before. I mean, they knew that you were going to have it and they waited until the last minute to tell you about it. And that, I'm assuming, um, <laughs> affected yeah, how you yeah. felt. <laughs> yeah, big time. I, 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 it was a complete surprise to me that I was even going to have surgery because my parents didn't want to talk about it. So I, I don't blame my parents. That, that, was the, that was prior generations, but things have evolved, and hopefully we're getting smarter as a society on, the, on this topic at least. <clears throat> so what can we do differently? What are we doing differently if we have evolved and you know, <clears throat> we're not doing we're not trying to hide yeah. things in the same way we used to. What are we doing that's good? What 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 are, what are the positives, or what should we be doing when there is a trauma? Well, there, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of great science and a lot of great research, uh, particularly coming out of Harvard uh, and uh, also uh, I think it's University of North Carolina. But but the the book is very science based. Uh, it does interweave real stories, but. This is not hocus pocus. This is not, um, you know, just anecdotal. There's, there's uh, the studies. The way to, to the big picture on the whole topic is the book is divided into three topics: dive, survive, and thrive. And the first, um, the, the, you want to, you don't want to skip ahead in the book. You don't want to jump to the to the fun parts of of thriving. You want to process the whole event. So the first chapter is on shock. And to really revisit those moments where we went through a trauma and we were absolutely shocked that, you know, whatever happened. And then, the, you know, then you get into anger and anger is totally fine. As long as you're not hurting someone else, you're not hurting yourself. But anger is part of the process and you got to think about it. You got to talk about it. And then, of course, denial, uh, that process, which we've just kind of covered. And you go up through those five steps. Normally, people kind of land on depression at some level after trauma. But then you get into the survival mode where you start kind of experimenting with different things. You start talking about it. The, the dynamic dual healing uh, techniques in the book, one is sitting in the fire, find a trusted person, preferably a licensed therapist, because regular people can cause a lot of, <laughs> can be re-traumatizing when they offer their anecdotal advice. But find a, a trusted person to talk about it. Um, and these are ugly conversations. They're uncomfortable. They're embarrassing. But they got to happen in order to heal. Um, and uh, in my prison volunteer work, uh, you know, I sit down and talk to people who committed horrific crimes. And they're trying to deal with their trauma. They're trying to rehabilitate. Um, or, or also we talk, meet with the victims of the crimes and you got to have those, again, those ugly sit in the fire conversations. And the second, the second, uh, technique, which is very powerful, I can't overstate it. And this is Sarah Lazar's research out of Harvard is, uh, grounding exercises, which also can be called yoga or meditation, but this physiologically changes the brain. There's a whole brain chemistry that I discuss in the book and it's, it's a little complex, 
but you can literally switch the stress uh, signals in your brain to calm through breathing exercises. And it's, it's a very real thing. So those are the two big techniques uh, that, w- that we got to address to, to really get on our, on, on our way for healing. So those are the techniques, but I, I think I keep going back to this, but what are the traumas? I mean, you mentioned uh, prisoners, for instance, who committed murder and the victims. Those are uh, different than, let's say, um, environmental traumas, for instance. Let's talk about the, in the context of the pandemic. Well, this is like a, a, a worldwide trauma that we've had. Uh, is that different than than those kinds of traumas? And if so, how? And do we react to it in the same way, or what do we do? Because I think this puts it in a, you know, this the COVID nineteen is, is really a great a good example of a of a trauma that we've all experienced. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're all tra- at least I'm traumatized by COVID. <laughs> uh, so am I. You know, my voice is a little hoarse. Yeah. I, I got, I actually got COVID back in January and my voice is a little raspy from it, but mm. even still, but yeah, the, the, um, the first time I ever meditated in my life, I was in San Quentin prisons sitting with convicted murderers, one on either side of me who taught me how to meditate. And, and they were the kindest, most gentle, uh, gentlemen uh, you could, you could possibly meet. And they had been working on this for a couple of years and, and uh, one of the guys I met in San Quentin, he, he was paroled. He just graduated with honors uh, from college and is now working on his Ph.D. These techniques really work. Um, but you're right. Going for, I started this book 10 years ago. I had no, you know, none of us knew COVID was going to come our way. The book happened to come out, you know, during COVID. But to get to your, you know, your great ca- uh, question, Catherine, is that, yes, uh, the techniques work, whether it's COVID or whether you were the victim of uh, someone of, of someone you love uh, being murdered, um, or, a, or a car wreck, or or anything. Um, the, the basic healing techniques are the same. They 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 are basically work for for any kind of trauma. So I'm assuming you got COVID, and that was traumatic. And so did you utilize all of these techniques when you got COVID? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, number one, sit in the fire. I talk about it openly. I mean, COVID, at least, you know, my, my, some of the people in my family got it, and it was like a two-day cold. It was no big deal. But for me, I was nearly hospitalized. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I have a heart condition. Thankfully, um, I met with my cardiologist and my lung specialist. There was no damage. But we were all very concerned about that. And, and uh, probably I should have been hospitalized. I fudged a little bit on my <laughs> my statistics to the doctors because I did not want to go in the hospital, but it was really rough. And so I'm, I'm doing one of those techniques right now. I'm openly talking about it. The, the old me would have not even brought it up, would have been embarrassed about it. I mean, you know, who wants to talk about, um, you know, a, a tough, you know, health issue, which, which, you know, COVID was for me. Um, the breathing techniques I described were hard because COVID really affects your lungs. And, and so there was a chronic cough that I had for, you know, a um, month and a half, two months. Um, but now that I'm kind of healed from that, yes, I'm going back to those exact same techniques. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I'm using the same techni- techniques as I, uh, you know, recover from, from uh, COVID trauma. You know, my doctors have said anything from three weeks to a year to, for a full recovery. I don't know what it's going to be, but I know these techniques will, will help in that healing process. 
Now, you've also dealt with, I mean, what are, you are the master of disaster, so you've dealt with so many people, including very well-known, famous people like the, the, um, uh, the in the O.J. Simpson situation. Um, talk to us about that, because uh, you helped his, uh, Nicole Brown's family, to um, get over their trauma or to deal with the trauma. Yeah, the Tanya Brown and Denise, I know they live close by. I worked with their dad, uh, Lou Brown, um, in some of the economic aspects of, the, of that disaster. And I have a unique career where I, I work on, uh, you know, major disasters. That's how, that's how this book kind of started. I worked on the World Trade Center. I worked on Hurricane Katrina. I worked on, uh, uh, you know, OJ and, and John Benet Ramsey. On the, on the OJ case, you know, Tanya Brown got, um, COVID as well. She got it before I did. And I was texting her when I got it to, you know, kind of learn what, what it worked for her. Um, and so, yeah, I, I worked that, that's, I, I wrote this book because I was meeting so many people in my capacity as an economist working on major world disasters um, that I wanted to, to create something and do use my research skills to give them something better than just kind of a pat on the back when I met these people, because I've met literally thousands of people that have been traumatized with, you know, floods and, you know, environmental spills and all kinds of things. And, and that's what this book is. And, uh, and Tanya's story is actually in the book. She was kind enough to share her story. But what, what a lot of people wouldn't know about the Brown family is that Tanya was traumatized by a number of other things besides, um, and I, uh, besides the, the story everybody knows about her sister being murdered and, and the whole O.J. Simpson trial and so forth. Um, but she uses these techniques. I, and frankly, the book is packed full of wisdom, and I cannot take credit for it. I mean, a lot of this uh, wisdom, if not all of it, comes from people like Tanya and the, and the scientists and a number of other stories. But it, that the messaging in the science is all kind of pointing the right, the, the same direction. And, uh, and Tanya uses this stuff herself. But I know that from, from being her friend. So you said you've been writing the book for 10 years. That's a long time. And you've talked to thousands of people. And you uh, what, 10 years ago, how did you get into the disaster business? Well, what, what attracted you to it? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> this was going back at least 30 years ago. Um, but I, had, I was uh, doing um, conventional real estate appraisals. But I, was appraising, I wasn't appraising houses. I was appraising more like shopping centers and hotels and that kind of thing. And I, I wanted to do something a little different. So I applied to law school and I got in. And the day before law school started, I got, I, I just thought, I don't know that I, I, I just wasn't sure that was really my path. And then I got this idea in the pool. Um, uh, school started the very next day that, that if I took my skill set with real estate and I turned it upside down, instead of looking at what creates value, I create, I looked at what, uh, you know, caused a loss in value that that could be really interesting. And I live in Southern California, and we have a lot of landslides and earthquakes and, and wildfires. And I thought that, that could be really interesting to measure, you know, the v- values of damaged properties. And so I did that. Long, I faxed, back in those days, we had fax machines. I faxed my resignation into law school, and I focused on that. I had no idea that what I was laying the foundation for, because I had no idea that in the future I'd be working on the Flight 93 crash site and O.J. Simpson and, and the nuclear weapons test sites on the Bikini Atoll in the Marshall Islands. I mean, just, very, you know, cases for the federal government of Australia and Canada and, of course, the United States. 
Um, but that's, that's how it all started. And that's how I got into, you know, working on disaster sites all over the world. So in other words, when one of these disasters occurs and they continually do, they say, okay, let's call up Dr. Bell and uh, you're the guy they call in to consult with. Yeah, yeah, it's all for uh, either insurance claims or legal claims. So sometimes I wind up in the courtroom um, as an expert witness. And, and so you got to be precise with your research because when you go into a courtroom, the judge and the jury usually looks at, you know, well, they look at everyone, you know, with some skepticism. So you've got to do your research, you've got to do your homework, and you've got to make sense. You've got you to communicate your, you know, what your findings are in a clear way. So I use those skill sets in the book. You probably noticed that there's several kind of jury exhibits in the book. They're, they're all you know, fundamentally sound, but they also make sense. And I, I try to make a very big, complex topic with a lot of academic research that's hard to understand. I try to make that accessible to... Uh, people like me, frankly, that that just want it, you know, want the information in a in a in a, a way that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think that the book is written that way. It does make sense, and it's easy for, uh, I, as I I think I said this in the beginning, because I think putting in the stories, these stories about real people, juxtaposed with the research, is really helpful to be able to understand it. It makes it real rather than just writing a book on, you know, the research, I think, anyway. Um, and I think you've really done that really well in the book. That's what makes it so interesting. Um, what's one of the most difficult, let's say, disaster, natural disasters that you've had to deal with in terms of, you know, of, of what you've done or what you've been called in to do? Well, for some reason, I thought of uh, uh, the BP oil spill, but I don't know if that was really a natural disaster I think probably Hurricane Katrina, um, as far as a natural disaster, because that was, uh, you know, of course, the uh, hurricane. And the media didn't do justice to that because, you know, the media focused on kind of uh, the lower fifth ward. And the damage there was horrific. It it really was. And my heart went out to those people. But what, what the general public didn't realize about Hurricane Katrina is that that damage went for miles and miles and miles. And I, I lost track of the number of vast neighborhoods that were just literally like blown apart. I mean, I've been to nuclear weapons test sites. Uh, I've been to a few of them on other cases. Uh, Hurricane Katrina looked far worse than anything I'd seen. A nuclear bomb is maybe, you know, creates a crater about a mile wide. <laughs> Hurricane Katrina was you know, it, probably 100 miles wide or even longer. It went state, you know, from state to state. And um, every house, you know, you, you, it was blown apart, had three feet of mud in it, and you'd see the, the kids' toys and the little girls, you know, white shoes and, the, and the, uh, the, the clothes and everything, all your personal belongings, imagine, just blown apart, uh, not even salvageable, <laughs> nothing was salvageable. And the scale of damage there was just off the chart. So given that, and the three stages that you describe in the book, the dive stage, survive stage, and thrive stage, what did you do in the context of that disaster, Hurricane Katrina, which you said is was much worse than what the media covered? Yeah, well, what I noticed in that, in that particular case is you drive for, you know, 45 minutes with nothing but devastation, no 
No restaurants to stop at, no gas stations. Everything was blown apart, all the infrastructure. And occasionally I'd see a house where it was clear people were living there. Uh, on the second floor, the, the downstairs was blown apart. Um, you know, they had porta potties and you could see it. So I would go up and what I did is I was doing kind of research for this book and I knocked on the door and I talked to these people. And typically, in fact, always, they were very friendly and very open and they would share their stories with me. And I actually, I did my, ultimately did my doctoral research on Hurricane Katrina and survivors of that. And I, I interviewed, uh, I met with a pastor in, uh, in New Orleans and she uh, allowed me to rent a room in her church. And I literally lined up zillions of interviews with people in the community where they would come in and I would tape record their stories. And I started noticing themes. I started noticing um, techniques that they were using to really get back on their feet. And those are all in the book. Um, but so, so like I say, I did a lot of research for years to kind of pull the stories together, pull the techniques together and make it accessible to everyone. Yeah, well, you have done just that. We only have we don't have that much time left, so I just want to ask you: Are there when you go in and you're doing your work, are there people that you see that you just have a sense are not going to be, are going to have a lot of difficulty being able to do this to thrive, and others you can see, hey, they're they're going to be okay, or I, or you know, because given all the experience you've had. Yeah, Catherine, one of the things I say in the book is that the problem's not the problem. In other words, the, the Hurricane Katrina is obviously a big problem, but it's not the problem. The problem is how you respond to it. And there are some people, as you just kind of mentioned, that never get back on their feet. They're, they're destroyed. And my, you know, I'm not, I, I cannot be judgmental. I haven't been, I, I, because I haven't been through what they've been through. And some people, you know, do okay. And they get back on their feet and they, they basically get back to where they were before the disaster. And that's very admirable. I, I, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of uh, work. But the book is focused on those who not only get back on their feet, but now are doing incredibly crazy, cool things with their lives that they otherwise wouldn't be doing, but for the trauma. In other words, they're, um, they, they, like you said uh, uh, at the start of this, they tap into the fuel of the trauma because trauma creates a lot of energy. They tap into that energy, and now they're doing remarkable things. Like the guy who committed uh, was, you know, committed murder. Now he's uh, graduated from honors, and he's he's working on a PhD as a beautiful family. That's remarkable. That's post-traumatic thriving. I mean, that's why I got the title of the book. I focus on people that. Post uh, you know, in their post-traumatic situation, they thrive, and and the techniques really, really work. Yeah, post-traumatic thriving because we—that's not what we hear all the time, right? It's uh, it's just the opposite. That's a great title, by the way, post-traumatic thriving. Well, we have a couple minutes left. That's it. But so I really recommend the book. Great, the uh, post-traumatic thriving: the art, science, and stories of resilience, and. Um, We've been talking to Dr. Randall Bell, lots of ex- the master of disaster. So, uh, Dr. Bell, could you give us some websites and or, you know, that we can go to for more information about you and the work you're doing and what you're, you know, doing in the future and how we can get by the book, where we can get the book? I assume bookstores everywhere and online. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, my website's drbell.com, just drbell.com, simple. Um 
And in the book, I have my email address. I love hearing people's stories, uh, you know, after they read the book, and I, I love the feedback. Um, and uh, right now, I'm working, and I'm still doing the work as an economist and also as a sociologist. I'm working on Hurricane Harvey right now in Houston, and some, I'm also working on some major oil spills around the uh, country. And, um, and I just like hearing from people, and, and I, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear the, the feedback from people. I'm very accessible, and, uh, and uh, also if there's anything missing in the book, I'd sure like to hear it. Um, I think so far we're in pretty good shape, but, uh, but it's a conversation we should all be having with trauma, particularly this COVID thing. Um, so we can all heal from it and, and uh, you know, move beyond this stuff. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was lots of really good information. So we have been talking to economist and author Dr. Randall Bell. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 